You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Emilio live in Tennessee. My man got up for the show. He just rolled out of bed. I know how this <laughs> operates, man. How you doing? I'm good this morning. Good, man. Uh, couldn't couldn't let you run solo, man. I had to edit. <laughs> Tim, uh, Tim's got business to take care of. So last night I was planning on going solo. So man, I had a slew of videos queued up, <laughs> ready to roll. Emilio pops in with with diesel in hand. Uh huh. All right, let's uh let's adjust. I, I'd it. much rather talk to another human than just sit here and talk to myself. I promise you that. Right. So what we were gonna do, guys? I actually had a video queued up. Unfortunately, it's not loading. We wanted to kind of hit on. I wanted to kind of hit on the the Brett Favre trade that kind of kicked that whole dynasty off, right? Um, with them getting him in Green Bay. Um, if that video does load, I'll go to it. But mm-hmm. as of right now, we'll plan on not hitting it. I wanted to kind of set the stage for what we were going to talk about. You know, obviously this season's all about evaluating Jordan Love, right? Um, evaluating Jordan Love and the rest of the roster, kind of setting yourself up for next year and the year after. We talked about that at ad nauseum, so we'll try to stay away from it. But what really kind of kicked things off is <clears throat> 1992. And I wanted to try to draw a little bit of a parallel. Now, I know the gatekeepers are going to say, Clayton, you're not allowed to compare Jordan Love to Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. Like, well, they can go go play in traffic. They do whatever they want. Right. They, yeah. they tell them to go start a pod. And they can do what they want, and, and I'll talk about what I want to talk about. So we're going to kind of hit on that from 92 up and talk about how things kind of changed, okay? First of all, we got Joyce in the chat. Joyce, it's good to see you in here. She said, is this the first year that games have been played on Saturdays? No, it, ha- it isn't, Joyce. That's something they've started. Um, I think they would do it every week, honestly, if it wasn't for college football. There was some right. kind of agreement signed into place way back in the day that we would that it, the NFL would not play Friday football or Saturday football uh, to keep it kind of solely for high school Fridays and then Saturday college. Um, I thought that was really cool that they were trying to not take some of the shine away from the the quote-unquote amateur side of football, although we right. know 
college football now, Emilio, is professional football, bro. Right. Well, where do all these kids come from anyway? They come from Friday, you know, Friday night lights and Saturday football. So it, you got to watch them. It's got to happen anyway. Why, yeah. why take it away from them? Absolutely, man. That's the way I, I feel too. Omer in the chat said, morning, PTA Posse. Morning, Clayton and Emilio. We got to hit it for him, man. <laughs> Emilio! <laughs> oh, he's in the house. It's always the laugh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I had at least a half a dozen stoner buddies that I grew up with that had that same laugh. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is what it is. All right. Um, let's do it. Let's let's talk about the 1992 season real quick, and then we'll kind of set the stage. We're going to try to wrap up uh, talking defense versus the Bucks. Some of you guys are going, I don't care what happened 30 years ago. Well, we do, okay? So just calm down. Um, 1992, Emilio, this is kind of how it started. I, I went back and was like, okay, are we, are we going to be unfairly judging Jordan Love? Like, you know – Every everybody says that wins aren't a quarterback stat. It's funny that you have to say that because that makes me think. I, I believe people think it actually is, and you know, you don't ever look back and go, "Man, he was a great quarterback," but he had a you know uh, a three hundred winning percentage, right? They, you just can't find a great quarterback that that played that bad or their team didn't didn't play that well, I should say. So when I went back in '92, I looked up and I went. Okay, they only won nine games in 92. If we win six, we're not too far behind that, right? Mm -hmm. And I looked at 93 and went, they only won nine in 93, nine in 94. And then you look at it in 92, they didn't even make the playoffs. They lost in the divisional round, both 93 and 94, made it to the conference round in 95. And then, of course, 96 won the Super Bowl. So it's like, hold up a minute. We're on pace to, to win nine games this year. That's, that's kind of how my mind fires, right? So when I was looking at it from that perspective and kind of put things into perspective, then you start to go, okay, what did Favre have to work with? And, again, I was going to show a video on the Favre trade. I can't get it to load right now. Um, we'll go to it later if we can get to it. But when you look at kind of how, how that unfolded, they traded for Favre. The plan wasn't for him to start in 92, obviously. But Don Mikowski goes down with the, the ankle injury. Favre comes in, and they finish 9-7. and seven. When I say finish, I mean he came in, it was like week one or week two, if I remember correctly. So this was pretty much the entire season, right? Now, obviously, Jordan Love, this is his fourth year in the league. I think Favre's, it was his second year in the league, if I remember correctly. So a little bit of difference there, but they were both 24 years old. And, oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers was 24 years old when he took over quarterback in, <laughs> in Green Bay, too. It's just wild, the parallels, Amelia. Right. That's exactly it. And looking at it quickly, man, uh, that, that first season in 92, they were still minus 20 points, uh, point differential. And then the rest of the time you see uh, when we won that Super Bowl, what was our point differential? Almost 246, you know? man. So, like, you look at it, that one Super Bowl was 246. The lost Super Bowl was 140. That was our second highest. And then uh, our two divisional losses was 124 and 135. Uh, in the early 2000s, so you know points are key, man. You got to keep them off the board. Got to you got to put them up yourself. So uh, it, it's cool to see, though. Looking back on it, I didn't, you know, I wasn't even alive in '92. So going back and reviewing it is, is a is a fun thing, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Jennifer Wright says, "Start of the dynasty." You, it matters. I completely agree. Uh, Jim in the chat said, I'm not sure this team can win nine too inconsistent. It's a good point, Jim. It really is. Yeah. Um, you know, when I step back and look at it, though, you go the the Green Bay Packers in 92 were not the youngest team in the league. I mean, you can look at their roster and tell they were not the youngest team in the league. You had people like, you know, Harry Sidney, Daryl Thompson, um, you know, uh, who, who are some of the others uh, that were, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. Leroy Butler had been around for a while. Right. He I think he got drafted in the late 80s, if I remember correctly. 
think like 89 or something. I could be wrong there. Um, also, you had you start to compare the target or the targets that Favre had too. He had Sterling Sharp, right? Mm-hmm. When you yep. look at Aaron Rodgers' targets, he had Donald Driver. He had uh, he had Donald Driver. He had Greg Jennings. He had James Jones. He had Jordy Nelson, right? Now look at who Jordan Love has. Mm-hmm. You know, who's the Donald Driver on this wide receiver core? There is one. There is not one. Who's the proven wide receiver? You guys know Jennings blew up with Favre, right? Like he he st- you've seen. Okay, this is a legit true number one wide receiver when Favre was still there, right? Who's who's that guy for? You know Jordan Love right now. I think some could argue limited snaps, but Dontavian Wicks is kind of looking like that guy. Although we love Watson, we love Dobbs. Um, it, it, even that you take into consideration the injuries that they mm-hmm. had this year, and I and I know Sterling Sharp was injured too uh, throughout his career. So it's just interesting to kind of compare that stuff. I think it's really really cool. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is Love is having the same amount of success with a lot less. It's important to put that into perspective. So, Jim, when you say I'm not sure they can make it to nine wins, I wouldn't be surprised if they only win seven wins mm-hmm. or eight games, right? I wouldn't be surprised at all. But if they make it to nine, we've really got to step back a second and go, okay, <laughs> there's something going on here. This is pretty right. impressive. So um, let's do this. Now, if we jump ahead and say, okay, what did they do weekly? This is really cool. I like to break this down too. Um, let me get that off there. Thank you, Jim, for the comment. Good to see you in here, buddy. So when you go weekly, Amelia, I was going, okay, what did they do down the stretch there? You know, they started off with uh, with two losses. Well, let's see, was that the pre? No, that wasn't the preseason, right? No, it doesn't look like it. Two, yes, yeah, so two losses. It was the Bengals game that Favre came in, and they came back and won, right? And then, of course, he, his first technical start was against Pittsburgh. They got the win. They went on a three-game losing streak, mm-hmm. won one against Detroit at Detroit. Then they lost one in New York, and then they went on a one, two, three, four, five, six-game winning streak, a six-game winning streak down the stretch. And one of those games, Emilio, pretty cool, was week 14 in Milwaukee against Detroit. Some of you guys are going, man, I wonder how that went. Well, I'm uh, I'm glad you asked. Let's let's check it out real quick, shall we? Let's see it. Began their role against this current four or five spin by beating Detroit oh. earlier. The snow, but Mike Holmgren loves That's the snow. snow. Flying. Milwaukee. Oh, sweet. His first start. He looked oh. six yards far. That Quick short drop. passing game. And the flat makes a nice grab. Some nice moves. And this will go for 14 yards. Thompson again running right. Good block by Harry Sidney. Ten yards. Yeah, you, you watch Harry Sidney, the man, dude. Good, pod, or good guy on a local Green Bay radio. Chris Spielman. Lead him into the end zone. Nanuka, the North. Wayne Font sees his Lions down seven nothing. Rodney Pete to start today, and he looked. He slipped and slid. Look for Herman's Moore. Downfield makes the catch, getting Detroit close. But Pete fumbles a guy. It's had a great oh, year. Fumble. Back. Little cold Holland out there. Falls on the football, <laughs> and the pack strikes. Look at that gun, dude. Eat that thing. He's in. No I'm sorry. We got to take it back for just a second. Sterling forgot where the end zone was because of the snow. Check this out, guys. This is so much fun. Here we go. The football and the pack strikes quickly. Far. Let him pull up short of Sterling Sharp. Petty Cook, go all the way. He's in. No pressure. Sterling <laughs> United. Oh, it's a football. Oh, he picks it up. Touchdown! 64, excuse me. 64. Could you imagine Twitter if we had Twitter back then? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you watch the replay here, Chris. Uh, Sterling a little bit confused by the Give snow me that. 
thinks he's in the end zone. Right there, he thinks he's crossing the goal line. And luckily, he gets a look at the cone just as the ball comes out. Has the presence of mind to pick it up and get it in the second time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Second quarter of the pack, driving the screen to Harry Sidney. Makes William White fitting a name on this day in the snow miss. And it's 21 to nothing, pack. Andre Ware, the youngster, on in relief. Relief, how do you spell it? Not W-A-R-E, not today. Matt Rockets, and Tony Bennett. He left his heart in County Stadium. 28 to nothing. Oh. The pack. Where would get better? Here he hits Herman Moore. You want to see a nice play right there. Touchdown, 11 yards, 28 7. Defensive back Jerry Butler here should have been ejected from the game as he goes <laughs> head high on Andre Ware. That's the exact kind of flagrant foul we were talking about this morning on game day. The Packers undaunted. Here we go, sharp out of the backfield, a short passing game. So if you hit him short, Tommy, you got to cheat up, and then you can hit him a little bit longer. Favre and Sharp, nine-yard touchdown, 35-7 at the half. Three touchdowns, 214 yards, no interceptions for Brett Favre. A bright spot for the Lions, guess who? Whoops. You can't tackle Barry Sanders. God, he's such he's a over 1,000 yards. That gives him four seasons, each one a thousand yard season. Only Eric Dickerson, Earl Campbell, Tony Dorsett, and Barry Crazy. have now done that. But the Pack's longest winning streak in eight years puts them at seven and six as they beat the Lions 38 to. I bet they went nuts back then. See, I wasn't a Packer fan that then. I don't pretend to be. I love going back and looking at this stuff, right? And I know we've got many people in the chat that was. What do you think about that grainy footage, Emilio? That's like Jennifer said in the comments, man. That's when football was football, dude. Mm -hmm. Came a long way, man. I do love, uh, I love the breakdown. Uh, uh, Fast in three minutes, right, man? Yeah. It's it just sounds it sounds like it's it sounds like football, man. It reminds me of childhood sort of thing, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that when that music drops, you know it's mm. on. You know it's on for sure. Uh, let's go to the chat here real quick, see what people are saying about this. Jennifer Wright says Sharp was a beast. He was. He needs to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, yeah. I kept hearing that, and I'm going, but he didn't play that long and this and that. And then, lo and behold, I go and look at the numbers. I'm like, that dude dominated an yeah. era when it was mainly running, right? I mean, he was he was something else, dude. So uh, I completely agree. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I like, yeah, Omer said that Leon let move when, uh, when Sharp fumbled there at the line. <laughs> only only Sterling Sharp, and I can see his brother Shannon being, having the talent to do that too, to be able to just nonchalantly fumble at the goal line, have the awareness, just the smoothness to pick it up and still take it in for the touchdown. Yeah, right. And somebody's trying to tackle you. But, uh, yeah, Jim in the chat said that Favre guy was pretty good. Yeah, that Favre, that Favre, yeah. yeah. For sure. What was it? You know, when did you kind of become a fan, Emilio? What, I, you know, maybe you've been a fan your whole life, but what was like your first memory of of watching the Packers, dude? I never asked you this question. Ah, uh, geez, I kind kind of been a fan my whole life. I was uh, um, when I was when I was like a real real young kid. I got a, a piggy bank with the old, you know, the helmet Tim has up on his wall. Basically, <laughs> one like that, uh, but it's like a piggy bank, man. And ever since then, my dad's a Cowboys fan. So uh, my dad and sister are Cowboys fans. So by the time I was up there, it was me against them and we're house divided and all that stuff. But honestly, just, you know, watching Favre, I think, was was memories. Um, you know, by the time 2000 hit, I was probably five. Uh, so around there-ish, you know, pushing forward into the early 2000s and then probably started getting some memories. Um, one that's burned into my brain was, was his dad's... Uh, that, that game after his dad against the Raiders. But, mm -hmm. you know, there was just so many in between there that uh, we've been so lucky to have and just enjoy it, really. Yeah, no, it's so true, man. It, it, 
I think there's many people who are Packer fans because of Favre. You know, he was that guy that he was going to play week in and week out. His teammates loved him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I know he's in the news a lot today and this and that. We we talk strictly football here. If you're going to judge one guy for stuff that happens off the field, you better judge him all that way. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of the way I see it. So, um, it, you know, it's just – I think that's 99% political, but it is what it is. Um, with that being said, man, those were the those were the good old years for sure. Yeah. Man. Oh yeah, I had one. I had one uh, one shirt that was autographed. It was Fuzzy Thomas, Fuzzy Thurston, mm-hmm. I think it was, and signed that thing, man. I wore that shirt out. <laughs> it was holes in it, you know, like the the signature started like you know fading away after all the washes. But I just it, it was one of those where you just never took it off. That yellow felt right, you know, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Fuzzy Thurston um, was an offensive lineman for Lombardi, big part right. of the Packer sweep, but one of the unsung heroes, really. I remember the first time I went to Green Bay, I kept hearing that he had a bar up there, and I was going to try to go, but we were in and out the first time we went to Green Bay. Um, I'm not even sure. I, I'm, I'm not sure if he's passed away now or not, um, but uh, just one of those those old-school Lombardi Packers, no doubt about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug in the chat said, Fritz Shermer seemed to, be, seemed to be able to find a way to control Barry Sanders. Yeah, if I remember correctly, Barry's last game, was a playoff game, I think. I mean, held him to negative two yards or negative one yards. I thought that was it. Yeah. yeah so that's uh, they always, uh, you know, Barry r- would run rump, sh- uh, you know, run run all over him consistently, you know, as far as the rest of the league and everything. But it seemed like Fritz Sherman knew how to stop him, and that's again back then he, you know, installed that thirty four, if I remember correctly, just kind of digging back into the old video. So the thirty four was big on stopping the run back in the day you know everything's kind of evolved now with teams running a lot of 11 personnel you have to stay in nickel it kind of negates the 34 base that you use but well that's it that's exactly it because they were in base a lot more and they were full you know you got four big backers three big linemen and it's a lot easier you're not you're not running a bunch of routes you're not running the deep shots and being able to stop the run was the key back then right definitely Carly Ray says, hey, all just popping in for a few, sipping my coffee. Hey, good to have you in here, Carly. Hope you're doing well. Hope the kiddos are doing well. I'm sure you're playing super mom this morning. Um, Jennifer Wright said, Shannon's Hall of Fame speech still makes me cry. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good one. They gave him heck for it, too. Who was it? Somebody gave him a rough time behind the scenes. I think it might have been Deacon Jones, maybe, um, if I remember correctly, if Deacon was still alive. There was somebody behind the scenes that gave him a hard time going – get out there and cry like that in front of all these legends, you know, and gave them, you know, just gave him a hard time about it. I thought it was funny. Um, but yeah, a great speech. Nonetheless, it just kind of shows the bond he's got between him and Sterling. And there's no two ways about it, man. I think it's, it's pretty, pretty solid across the board. People believe, think, and know that Sterling was even better than Shannon. So with Shannon being a, a hall of famer, you obviously think, you think Sterling would be in there too, but uh, Jim said right. he saw the first Super Bowl. That's absolutely wild, man. That is absolutely wild. Um, Doug in the chat said there's a clip in either 93 or 94 when Holmgren got frustrated with Favre. He was going to pull um, and put uh, Brunel in, but then changed his mind. Imagine if Brunel had gone in and done well. Yeah, he said he's all over the joint. He said, go ahead, let's make the switch. Let's mm-hmm. make the switch. Yeah. yeah, make the switch to the other quarterback. And then he went, wait, wait, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's on the mic talking. He says, well, he's got to know he's effing up here. Like, <laughs> Imagine if he'd pulled him, bro. Right. Be like and, everybody you know, wanting uh, the big red dog in there. Like, come right, on, man. Right. Just. Let them ball out for a little. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Let's see here. Jennifer Wright in the chat says, I worked at Toys R Us in Green Bay in 2000. We fought over who we checked out for uh, the Packard uh, toy drive. I got Antonio Freeman. That's pretty cool stuff. 
Dylan in the chat says, good morning, all. Been listening to the show on Spotify the past couple months. Glad to get in here live for the first time. I've been learning a ton about the Packers this season. Go appreciate Pack. it. Dylan, man, good to see you in here, buddy. We appreciate you, man. Uh, feel free to drop anytime you see us go live. We typically go live twice a day. We try to go live at least once a day, whether it's in the morning or the evening. Um, just depends on the schedules, obviously, but it's good to see you in here, man, for sure. Um, all right, let's see here. Yeah, like Doug said, yeah, that that's the one. Clayton could have changed history talking about it if they'd pull far. I can only imagine, man. Whew, been absolutely wild. Um, so let's do this real quick. Just want to give a shout-out to uh, to our new sponsor, here on the show. Um, BetUS is now the official sports book of Packers Total Access. Appreciate them jumping on board. Really excited about the partnership. Uh, to register as a PTA supporter, if you want to support the show in another way, there's a link in the description of this video. You just click on that link. It will um, automatically attach uh, your profile on BetUS to Packers Total Access. Okay, So if you do that, um, just click on the link. You can register for free. Doesn't cost a thing. That helps the show out, okay? And then if you do end up wanting to put some action on the game, always gamble responsibly. I always tell people, anyone who asks me, hey, I'm thinking about getting into gambling, I always say, do not gamble one cent that you can't afford to lose. That's my rule of thumb, right? And, and to, for me, it's it's almost as if I, I treat it like a hobby. It's like, okay, this is like buying a new movie or going to the movies or something, right? Don't ever treat it like, this is my link to financial independence. So make sure you gamble responsibly. As far as uh, this week, the green line with PFF, just want to mention real quick, the Packers are three and a half point favorites. Okay. So if you, if you wanted to put a little action in on that, if you go over to bet us, you can see there's their point spread. This is how their system's set up. They got a really smooth interface. They've got a ton of prop bets as well, but uh, you can get the Packers money line for uh, minus 170. You can get, the uh, the point spread there minus three and a half at minus one oh five. So the Packers are laying three and a half points as Vegas have them as uh, as the favorites in that game. Another thing too, if you go to PFF, they give what we call PFF Edge, uh, where they uh, they kind of provide you with a little bit of inside information, if you will, according to the analytics, and say, okay, here's the best bet of the week. If you look on the right side there of the screenshot of Cade Otten, the tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what they're suggesting is the best bet according to their analytics this week, is to take the under on receptions with Kate Otten in Tampa Bay at two and a half receptions. Okay, that's at 21.5% as far as edge is rating. So if you go to BetUS, again, you can uh, hop right on there. You see Kate Otten on the right. You could take the under for plus 120. So pretty good odds there as well. I tend to lean toward unders than overs because more things can go wrong than right in those situations. But again, I'm not recommending you place that bet. I'm simply saying that's that – according to PFF's analytics, seems to be one of the better choices. So always gamble responsibly, obviously. This is uh, BetUS, America's favorite sports book, been around since 1994. Excited to have them on. Again, that link is in the description. Click on that link. It'll attach you to us, and that would help support the, the show. So we really appreciate that. Um, all right, let's talk a little Jordan Love here. So I heard a video. Actually, let's go to the video first. You guys have heard me talk about Greg Cosell. You would think he's my long-lost uncle. I just respect the guy so much, man, so much. And uh, Emilio, you keep freezing up. I don't know if it's your end or my end. It's probably my end. We'll kind of work through it here. But uh, with Greg Cosell, um, if you need to hop off too, it's totally cool. Greg Cosell, the reason I like Greg Cosell so much, gang, is because he's been around football pretty much. I mean, since the 70s, he's been looking at football film, right? That's something that he's been digging into. He's been, uh, you know, with NFL films since the 70s. Does a, a great job of removing all bias and just breaking down the tape, right? That's what he really keys in on. So when he speaks, I shut up and listen. 
when you guys hear me talk about building my draft board, right? Um, he's the guy that I talk about. I put the most stock in his opinion when it comes to draft status, right? Um, so anytime he has anything to say around the game of pro football, he's seen it all. He's heard it all. He gets invited in constantly by NFL head coaches because they trust him. He's been around the game so long. So he gets to go in and actually pick the brains of current NFL coaches, right? So he's he's around all of the information. Let's see what he had to say about play action passes. I, I just struggle with no play action pass from under center. You know, I don't know how you feel as an offensive lineman. You played, as you said, for five teams in seven years. I just think the play action pass game from under center is a far more effective tactic in, in, in terms of attacking a defense than play action in the gun. Um, that's, and again, this is just not me making that up. You know, <laughs> I hope people understand that, you know, what I do. And, and I talk to coaches as well. But, you know, there's just so many teams. They're in gun all the time. And there's no play action pass game with the quarterback under center. And I think that that is just a, a more effective way of running play action. So, again, that was from uh, Ross Tucker's uh, podcast. Love Ross Tucker. When you guys hear us say Daddy Sodas, right, uh, I stole that from Ross Tucker. I listen to his podcast religiously, and uh, he always referred to him as Daddy Soda. So I always want to give him credit for that line. Um, just absolutely awesome, dude. He's a former NFL offensive lineman, and him and Greg Cosell kind of partnered up. It's always a good time, man. He, I love how he respects Greg Cosell's – uh, opinion so much. Emilio, I don't know if you can hear me or not. It, it was lagging a little bit, I know. But uh, if he respects Greg Cosell, um, then I think we all should. This guy spent many years as an offensive lineman for several teams in the NFL. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Right. That's exactly it. <laughs> Man, how can, you not, how can you not respect them, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. They're so in there we're, fighting. Yeah, we got a real bad delay, Emilio. So, uh. We'll just say, look, man, I'll wrap up here by myself, okay? That way you don't feel – you look like you're stressed out over there. I don't blame you. So hopefully it's not on my end, buddy. I appreciate you. Um, So Greg Cosell talking about play action. You guys heard me early in the year. I talked about how 
I didn't like the blind play action because Jordan didn't look comfortable. And what I mean by blind play action is literally snapping the ball, turning your from under center, turning your back completely to the line of scrimmage and then having to come back around. Because typically what happens is you go into that play and you've got a pre-snap look. When you turn your back to the defense and you come back, everything has changed. Everything has moved. If they're sugaring uh, two on the shelf, right, and they end up spinning a safety in the box, when you snap the ball, there's two safeties up top. You've got to come back around, know your side adjustments, read the coverage. It just makes things a little more difficult. Now, for a young quarterback, that's tough. For a veteran quarterback, it can be a deadly weapon, right? Because you're getting the linebackers to displace. You're getting the safeties to maybe tip their hand a little bit more post-snap as they would have stayed home and allowed a slot cross to develop a little bit more to bait a quarterback. You kind of put them on their on their toes and then their heels, if you will. It's, it's that rocking effect we talk about. Play action pulling them up. Then they got to backpedal. Sometimes they over-pursuit uh, in backpedaling, and you can hit some of the underneath routes. So it's something that's really, really important. When we look at Jordan Love's arguably his best performance of the year, I think we would all agree Thanksgiving was one of those games, right? Um, he absolutely lit it up on Thanksgiving. Why did he light it up on Thanksgiving? Play action versus the Lions. He was 10 of 13 for 150 yards, one touchdown, no picks, passer rating of 139.9. So you can see how he's beginning to get really, really comfortable with play action under center. What Greg Cosell is saying, he doesn't understand why they're using shotgun play action because it's not as effective. It's not as effective, but it allows the quarterback to keep his eyes up, up the field. Even though he's faking the handoff, he's still – seeing the defense, he's not turning his back to the defense. That's also why it's not as effective. So um, this uh, play-action stat right here includes shotgun. What I said was, hmm, I wonder how good Jordan has been if we removed shotgun. That's the beautiful thing about SIS data is you can pretty much draw up any scenario, any specific scenario, and see what the stats are to it, okay? So I went, and what I did was I removed shotgun, okay? Completely removed shotgun. So this is all play-action passes, from under center, okay? And obviously, I just kept it sorted by team, so we filter out a lot of the noise, and we know Jordan Love has pretty much taken every snap at quarterback this year. Oh, by the way, that's something that's kind of getting swept under the rug too, gang. Like, when you think about Jordan Love and his durability this year, that's not something to just shake a stick at. I mean, you look across the league, Aaron Rodgers goes out after four plays. I know he's a much older quarterback. I got you. Matt Stafford was dealing with arm injuries coming into the season. Right. There's just a number of players you think about. Jalen Hurts has been banged up, run a little bit different style offense, but you've seen it. Look at two of the last two years, right, with the concussions and the injuries down there that he's faced. He seems to have gotten that straightened out now with some offseason training and stuff to, to kind of prepare himself how to fall to keep his head from hitting the turf. But his durability has been, been pretty impressive. I just want to mention that, that that's something that we don't talk about enough when it comes to Jordan Love. So when you look at the stats, you remove shotgun. This is play action statistics. If you go completion percentage, which I think we would all agree, that's been the issue for Jordan Love. You've seen the accuracy issues in the first half against the Giants. And I know some people are kind of chalking it up to just the wind. I didn't see that. When the ball came out of his hand on some of those errant throws, the ball was wobbly when it came out of his hand. Now, is he trying to put too much on it because he's factoring for that win? Could be the case. But I, I, I refuse to just chalk it up as, oh, no, it was windy. You better be able to play in the wind. The great quarterbacks, even, even during the down years of the Packers back in the 80s, Lynn Dickey could spin that thing into that icy cold wind in Green Bay. Right. You've got to be able to spin that thing into the wind. It's what made Aaron Rodgers so good. It's what made Brett Favre so good. You've got to be able to do that. So we gotta we gotta remove that excuse. But 
play action without shotgun, play action under center, uh, Jordan Love is actually 11th in the league at 68.3%. Guys, that's 68.3% is much better than where he's been throughout the year, which is the high 50s, um, flirting with 60 at times, right, as far as his yearly average. So you can see how his accuracy has improved play action under center. <clears throat> Another thing, too, is the catchable balls. When you look at the catchable balls, he actually grades out, I think, at number 10 in catchable percentage at 87.9%. Now, what does that mean? That means the ball exactly what it sounds like. The ball was catchable. It wasn't on target. It wasn't thrown perfectly. On target percentage, in my opinion, is a perfect throw. That's the way I look at it. Catchable percentage is it wasn't perfect, but it was good enough, right? So if he's 11th in that, he's 10th in completion percentage. I think completion percentage is the most important statistic, in my opinion, because there ain't nobody, who, just like with, with points scored over rushing yards when you're talking about defense, if you set me down and said, all right, you had to choose one, which one's more important? You're not going to convince me that catchable percentage is more important than completion percentage because, because completion percentage is in direct reflection of results. And that's what we're looking for, our results. It's important, though to keep catchable and on-target percentage in your back pocket to go, okay, he's doing his part, though, right? That's important. I'm looking for the best end results. That's why I would have to lean on completion percentage, but it's important to put that into context. So he's 11th in uh, on tar or on or in catchable percentage. Now, on targets, he drops down significantly. I don't know exactly where he rates, but you can see it drops down to 70.7%. It's That's when you see, okay, he's still – not perfect with his passes. Probably never going to be if we're honest about this. But if he can continue to improve to keep that, keep that catchable number up, Packers can win a lot of games, especially with his ability to command this offense the way he has. I mean, you're talking about the last several games. He's got nine passing touchdowns and only one interception. I know he's got the fumbles. I got you. You got to clean it up. But uh, I think it's just important to kind of mention that stuff. Uh, it's important to keep your finger on the pulse when it comes to those type of statistics and efficiency and it goes hand in hand with all that being said right think about what greg cosell just said he's been watching nfl films been watching footage been studying nfl offenses for you know since like i said since the 70s this has been what now 50 years all going on 50 years he's been studying the game of football and he's putting this emphasis not saying it's just important but going i don't understand why more teams don't do this right it's it's it is that crucial for your success as an offense in the league. You're seeing Jordan Love become more and more comfortable doing that blind play action. So um, I think that's really really cool, and uh, and definitely worth uh, worth mentioning there. So glad we got around to hitting that. Let's move on now. Oh, here we go. Here's Jordan Love's actual numbers, just him alone. If you wanted to just kind of remove all that other stuff, this is play action under center, sixty eight point three complete uh, completion percentage. Catchable percentage, 87.9%. On target, 70.7%. His yards per attempt is 8.8%. Um, touchdown percentage is 6.7%. Interception percentage a little high at 3.3%. But like we said early in his early in the season here, his first year starting, that blind play action really hindered him. He would turn around and, like, I remember the first Detroit game, just throwing the ball right to, was it uh, Anzalone, I believe, whoever the linebacker was. Did the same thing, I believe, to the Raiders when he threw at the dump truck. Like, he struggled early, 
when it came to blind play action, but you're seeing them settle in now. Again, interception percentage, you want to keep that down. You want to get that down. Pressured at 38.7%. I think that put them somewhere around number eight as far as pressured. That's the other thing, too. If they don't bite on play action, you turn around and you got a defender in your face, man, that's dangerous, right? So it's just something to take into consideration. Now, his passer rating when running play action under center is 103.9. Like that's – guys, that's pretty impressive stuff. So excited to see what he continues to do moving forward um, as we continue to play under center. Let's go to the uh, the chat here really quick. Well, let's go to Omer first. Omer said only only fumble lost all season, was only starting quarterback, uh, had not lost one before that last game. Um, Jim says, love play smart, doesn't risk himself too much. I think he is pretty smart. He lowered his head there once early in the year, and I love what LaFleur said, hey, what are you doing? And he said, I just felt like we needed some juice. I love that line. That's the guy you want leading your franchise. He felt like his offense was a little flat. Maybe the defense was a little flat. You get a chance to try to run someone over. If he gets hurt, we're all going, what an idiot, right? But he didn't get hurt, and that kind of sparks something in your team, right? Like, you know what? If our starting quarterback is out there lowering his head to get every single inch, I'll be damned if I'm going to let this small injury keep me out of snap. I'll be darned if I'm not going to hold myself accountable and do everything I can at the most elite level to lift my teammates up. That's the type of message. That's the type of vibe. That's the type of energy it brings to a team. And that's why he said, felt like we needed some juice. I just love that response. And I love that that Matt LaFleur mentioned it in the press or two or in the interview because it's just uh, you want to know those things, right? You really, really want to know those things. So uh, let's see here. Uh, Donald in the chat said, overall, I feel like he protects the ball pretty well. He definitely has down the stretch. Early on, I was going, ah, man, these interceptions. He's very streaky, right? Reminds you of another quarterback from back in the 90s. That's why we uh, kind of highlighted all that stuff. Jeff in the chat said, the under center play action really cleans up. Jordan loves footwork. He plants his back foot and lets it rip. He doesn't hitch as often. Yeah, it's it's like he's got to play on time, Jeff. I completely agree. When you drop back and gun, you can kind of improvise a little bit. You get a little more of that hop, right, as opposed to just planting the foot and throwing. Everything within the West Coast offense, we played that video before, um, of Bill Walsh talking about how he's got the footwork married up to the timing of every single play in the West Coast offense. If your foot, if your timing is off on your drop, if your footwork's off, you're going to be off on your timing throwing the ball. Right? Play action under center is the perfect, the the absolute best example of that uh, that comment from Bill Walsh. You've got to be on time. You've got to be in sync or else everything gets thrown off timing-wise. And we've seen early in the year, you heard, heard us critique Jordan Love on Chalk Talk, how all year long, uh, you know, the first like quarter of the season or whatever, he's playing late. He's getting to his read late. The ball's coming out late. We pointed it out over and over. You're not seeing that now. He's playing a little more on time. Now, the throw to Samori Torre that should have been picked, I believe it was to Torre down the sideline that should have been picked, that's a perfect example of getting to the read late. Uh, you know, just a little too much in the hitch before letting the ball rip, right? So uh, those are still the things you're going to see them pop up from time to time because he's still a young quarterback. The goal isn't to be perfect. The goal is to constantly progress as we get through this season. I think we would all agree none of us are expecting them to compete uh, for a Super Bowl this year, right? So what we want to see is just incremental growth all year long. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be dips in his game. We just want it to, by the end of the year, to be here where we started here, right? Not here with huge peaks and valleys. We want it. We want it to. You know what I'm saying? We want to see that incremental growth by the end of the year. Um, 
Yeah, like uh, Tom says here, smash that like button. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. If you would take a second, hit that like button so other Packer fans can find this podcast, find this content. Also, we got a lot of people that have been tuning in from Twitter. If you are on Twitter, hop over to YouTube if you want and uh, hit subscribe for us. Hit like on that video too. But we appreciate you swinging through, making us a part of your morning. Um, let's see what else we got here in the chat, and then we'll wrap up with a little, little bit of PFF talk here. Um, Donald in the chat said, I have a feeling after this next offseason, it'll be a scary season. He knows he has a better idea of exactly what he needs to be cleaned up. Yeah, when you when you go through a, an entire offseason, my goodness, man, like that's the thing about Jordan, too. When people say, well, he hasn't been a starter. No, but you remember Aaron missed several offseasons, right? Like I think it was two offseasons, or I shouldn't say several. I think there was two offseasons in a row where he was kind of protesting a little bit. Jordan got to work that whole offseason as if he was a starter. I know it's not the same being the starter because you can't take complete ownership of it, you know, as far as, hey, look, I, I, the players aren't going to look to you like, hey, we need to listen to this, this guy. He's the leader of the teams behind him. Um, they were still looking at it like, okay, when Aaron comes in, we're not even going to have this guy starting, right? So um, I think that does matter for sure, getting that time in as a starter. But um, a full offseason after a full year of tape to be able to watch self-scout and critique yourself, it's going to be absolutely huge. Jim says, I want a playoff game. Me too, Jim. These people who are saying, no, man, just, just lose out and we'll get a better draft pick. We're not competing anyway this year. I'm flush that. I, I want one crack at a playoff team to completely ruin their year <clears throat> like the Lions ruined our year last year, right, from getting in the playoffs. That's what I want to see. And I prefer it be the Lions. And if it needs to be the Cowboys, it's totally cool. That's what Omer says, Lions or Cowboys. You know what? I would rather them play the Lions or the Cowboys than the Niners or the Eagles. But if it is the Niners that, that it shakes out and we end up playing them, if we get into the playoffs, bring it on. Let's see what we got. You talk about a great test. You talk about a great test to see exactly where your football team is. I don't think anyone would argue that the 49ers are the cream of the crop right now, right, with the NFL. Why not see if we can crack skulls with them? Why not see if we can compete with them, right? So it's going to be uh, going to be fun to see how it unfolds for sure. I just hope we get in, though, Jim. I'm completely with you here, man. Um, all right, let's do this. Real quick, um, let's hit on the PFF defensive grades. We were going to do it yesterday, and we ran out of time. So I want to hit on it once here. Um, I'll go ahead and kill the cam. There's no reason y'all staring at my ugly mug here as we talk about it. So when you talk about the PFF grades, we bring Emilio back in. As soon as I kill the cam here, let's see if uh, cool back in. What's up, man? You get you having connection issues? Or I just take the squirrels off the freaking cable line outside, man. They were just running around back and forth. People were going, what are you talking about? It's Tennessee, baby. We got we got all kinds of chickens, man. Here, man. Those mountain yeah. chickens are everywhere. I got like 15 <laughs> in my front yard every time. I love it, man. First time I said mountain chicken to someone in the city, they were like, What is a mountain chicken? <laughs> squirrel, bro. It tastes just like chicken. You kidding me? Familiar <laughs> squirrel gravy. Oh my god. Oh. Don't even get me started. That's biscuits me with some biscuits in the morning, right after a cup of diesel. Let's go. Jeff in the chat said, I would never tank on purpose. Football teams need an edge. You play to win every single Sunday. That's right. Winning winning is a habit. So is losing. And when you tank on purpose, you are destroying the culture in your organization. Um, absolutely destroying. United Bates says Emilio breaking the internet. He's not breaking the internet. I think he's I think he's stealing that internet. <laughs> yeah. I know how that game. I've been yeah. I've been there many times. Got the t-shirt out there looking around the box. It's like that Beetlejuice video. So make them like, what are you doing around my cable box? Who, me? Yeah. Not just hanging around. Yeah. <laughs> we need that. We got to get that video. For we you. do. We yeah. do. Yeah. Cable All boxes right. are a lot easier to hotwire than uh, fiber optics, right, Clayton? Yeah. Oh, dude, come on. 
Don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> All right. Let's go uh, defense 34, how we match up against the Bucks. I'm going to get close to the screen here so y'all ain't got to see this. I'm going to kill the cam for a second, all right? Um, so when it, when we look at our defense here, okay, 34 front, notice that things are starting to come into the green a bit, right? Look, look at the front here. Kenny Clark, 67.8, slowly creeping up on 70. Devontae Wyatt, 67.1, slowly creeping up on 70. When you put that into perspective, right in, Kenny Clark, 35th highest graded defensive lineman in the entire league, okay? So if you just look for a 34 standpoint, right, and you say, okay, 34, 43, there's typically two what we would consider defense, interior defensive linemen, okay? So keep that in consideration. PFF does it the right way, unlike sports media where they say, why do you only got two linemen in there? Because there's a thing called an edge defender. It's essentially a defensive lineman that's standing up, okay? So with that being said, Kenny Clark's grading out as a 35th. Now, listen, his his salary cap hit, he should be performing way better than that, right? And, again, PFF isn't the tell-all end-all. It's just another metric, another another tool we got in the back. But he's right there on the cusp of being, quote-unquote, starting caliber, according to PFF, okay? You get into the top 32. Actually, he's, he's already starting caliber, but he's on the cusp of being a number one defensive lineman. If you're in the top 32, then, you, in my opinion, according to PFF, you're considered – a, a number one defensive lineman on the depth chart, okay, if you're in the top 32 compared across the league. So if you're in the top 64, there, yeah, top 64, then you're considered starting quality. Kenny Clark, 35th. Devontae Wyatt, 37th. Now, we all know their pass rush is absolutely phenomenal, although we did not see it in New York. Bad game. We'll chalk it up to a bad game. Let's hope they rebound, right? But they're right there on the cusp of being a legit number one defensive lineman on the depth chart across the league. TJ Slayton, 62.1, you know, a solid number two is the way you would look at that, right? Not a solid number two, but a, a number two, the bottom half of the number twos across the league. So when you put things into perspective that way, this defensive line, it's not been great, you know, obviously against the run, but overall pretty solid, right? When you look at their offensive line, you've got Tristan Wirfs at left tackle, 77.8. He's an absolute dog, 12th highest graded tackle in the league. you got Stinney at left guard, 60.6. you got Hainsey at uh, 54.9 at center. Their right guard, Mock, 47.5. And then you got Godecki at right tackle, 70.2. Now, when you look at our edges, you got Rashawn Gary, 82.1. Bad game last week. Obviously, we would all agree. Preston Smith, 71.2. Bad game last week. I know we would all agree. But when you look at our front, Emilio, I, it, to me, it looks like the glaring hole there is in the middle for them. We need to push that pocket on Mayfield and make sure that the edge defenders don't allow him to scramble out as opposed to up. The problem with the Giants, in my opinion, well, we were in nickel so much because of their 11 personnel. Heck, even when we were in 34, we would blitz the backside. We'd bring a scrape blitz, and he was able to step up into a rushing lane on the right side, right? Mm-hmm. This game here, it kind of feels like, you know what? Keep him in the pocket and push the pocket from the center up. I don't think we got to worry about him scrambling near as much as we did our boy uh, Tommy DeVito. But how do you right. see this, man? What sticks out to you with the uh, our defensive front against their, their offensive front? I think that's exactly it. They just they need to be uh, they they need to have integrity in their run in their you know in their gap in their um in their rush there because honestly with with it being weak up front I mean they have a almost you know last ranked center thirtieth center forty first left guard seventieth right guard so we we got to make our heyday in there and Gary what I'd like to see maybe some ETs or some TEs get Gary spun inside but the problem with that is we have to stay 
we have to stay sound on if you're if you're doing a TE or sorry an ET send the end in then that tackle's got to hold contain. All right, okay. if we get if we get pushed outside, I mean White could have a day. The the other thing is is we've got a, a number two corner and a number three corner to their two number one receivers. So yeah. so are you, I mean, are you suggesting that we could use Rasul Douglas over there instead of oh come on like, don't, do me, don't 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 do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I mean they're going to want to hum it. You know the he Baker's going to want to throw the ball all over the yard. I would say you know they're. Uh, they're not going to run it. I wouldn't think too much inside zone. It's going to be a lot of stretch outside the hash uh, numbers sort of play. And uh, we just need everyone to step up. Honestly, we need a big day from Gary or, or Smith. Let's get a couple sacks in there. Let's let's get them. Uh, we need to get them kind of back on their heels. We need to get up in the up in the uh, the down count, you know, get them in second and long, third and long and, and let this let this defense actually work. Yeah, it's it's so frustrating seeing Ballantyne over there. And listen, Ballantyne, he's doing the best he can. Like you're talking about a late round pick, a guy who no other team in the league wanted him, right? Mm-hmm. Sat on our practice squad for a bit, if I remember correctly. So, you know, it's not it's not the dog pile on him. It's just simply saying Rasul Douglas, according to PFF's uh, you know, kind of overall ranking system or what have you, their war rating, he is the best cornerback, not not a top five, not a top ten, not a starting caliber the best cornerback in the entire National Football League. And he could be starting over Ballantyne on that left side. He could he could start on the right side, too. You've seen it the year before. You know, there was many people go, oh, he wouldn't have been covering over there. He could play anywhere. Like, right. he, you know, he could even play the slot, although I think we would all agree his play diminished a bit in the slot. He's better as a boundary corner. He's a great zone defense corner, which mm-hmm. kind of makes me think, they're belling on this Fangio system and going more man. The problem is 32 yards on Keyshawn Nixon to lose the game against the Giants. No one wants to mention that was aggressive man coverage. It's just right. if we play soft, we play soft. So I think what they looked at was if we're going to be playing more man, Rasul is better served if we try to get draft capital for him. It's just it's frustrating, man. It's a hard pill to swallow because having arguably the best corner in the game, at least here in 2023, playing over someone who's grading out of the 57.0, could be huge for the playoff stretch. And even next year, people say, well, he's not going to be in the in the cards for two years from now. What about next year? Are we sure. already saying we're not going to compete next year? Is that where we're at as a franchise? Just because you want to defend the general manager? And I, I've listen, I've gave him his flowers the last several weeks. Great picks, great draft picks this year. Done a really good job with the draft. I think he absolutely crushed it. Mm-hmm. If you see it, you got to say it. That's a bad move. I'm sorry. To give up a fifth. And the best corner in the game right now for a third-round pick, that's just silly. And immediately people, the other argument is, well, you freed up salary cap. Guys, look at – go watch the video where Mike Wall reacted to it. He's like, $9 million for a for a starting – forget top 10, forget top 15, a starting caliber corner in the National Football League, $9 million? If you think you're going to get it cheaper than that, man, you might as well buy a lottery ticket. Like, right. it could happen, right? But – yeah, I could end up looking like Brad Pitt too. <laughs> Probably not in the cards. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just tough, man. Tough look all the way around. Let's move to nickel here real quick. We'll wrap this big bear up, Emilio. Then, when you look at the nickel, essentially what's happening is Palmer is now going to come in. Well, actually, let me go back to base real quick. Look at their tight end. A starting tight end is K dot, and you guys know I mentioned that with uh, Bet US. We'll do one more plug at the end to kind of mention that 
that prop bet that might be worth looking into. Not saying do it, just look into it. Um, Kate Otten uh, grading out of the 53.2, and then their second tight end, Durham, is a uh, 52.7, okay? Just important to mention that. Now, let's get into the secondary a bit. They bring in Palmer in the slot, nothing to ride home about, right? 52.2. But on the outside, like you pointed out, Emilio, uh, Mike Evans, 82.4, 17th highest graded wide receiver in the in the league. Chris Godwin, 30, uh, 31st highest graded receiver in the league at 74.2. They got two legit starting wide receivers. And when you look at the way they match up on Ballantyne at 57.0, going to have to bracket a little bit on him. And you right. think, okay, we'll just put a safety over the top. Who's that safety? Darnell Savage at 65 points. That makes me nervous right now. Mm-hmm. I know Rudy Ford sucks at football. I got you. That seems to be the case in Green Bay. But the fact that he's still not playing, and, and it looks like Savage, there's a chance Savage misses too. I'll pull up the injury report here real quick to make sure. But when you look at the secondary there, and Owens, you kind of hit on it a little bit. That's I think that's where Baker might be able to hurt us, man. Well, um, that's it. Because Mike Evans. Emilio is quarters. Right. Still Play him with fire with this man coverage and play more quarters. Every, to the best of my knowledge, I don't mean to cut you off. Every interception, which hasn't been many this year, has come when we were playing spot drop. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten any in man coverage to the best of my knowledge. Could be wrong, but I think I'm correct in that. Just kind of thinking back on the tape. Go ahead. Right. Bro. Well, I mean, you said it there. I, do we have, a, do we have a, you know, elite athletes on the corners? Not exactly. Are they athletes? 100%. Are, are they elite? I wouldn't say that. So why are we going to put him in it? Why are we going to try to put him in Mike Evans hip pocket? That man rakes in thousand yard seasons. I don't think he's been in the league without, without getting a thousand yard season starting in his rookie year. So the dude's going to ball out. He's going to get his, you know, it's like a, it's like a Kelsey that doesn't get enough, uh, enough attention. So we really need to be smart on the uh, you know, on, on the plays out there and why not go into country quarters where we keep everything kind of in front of us. We don't want Mike Evans to get that explosive play where he gets 80 of his hundred yards in the game. You know, we, we need to kind of nickel and dime him down the field. We want, we really do need Baker to kind of, you know, force it. We've had him, we've had him force it before we've, we've picked him off before. We know that he can, you know, get into that kind of slump where he, where he, um, you know, turns it over like that. And the defense honestly needs a spark. If we can get some sort of turnover, something like that, get these guys, you know, vibing, get them gelling, get them excited about where the, where the defense is going, you know, instead of everyone crashing on them all the time, let's get excited about a turnover. Let's get excited about a third down stop. Let's, you know, let's get this team hyped up so that the offense has got that spark to get out there and, you know, and start rolling. Yeah. So we look at the injury report. I want to double check on Savage just real quick. Darnell Savage um, did not participate, did not participate, did not participate. Questionable. I think there's a good chance he misses Sunday. Right. Um, so it would be Owens and Ford, do you think, or AJJ? And- Man, at this point, I don't know, Emilio. I, I, I would start Ford over every other safety on the roster right now, but obviously right. they know more about football. They've forgotten more about football I'll ever know. So – I'd be fine with him putting in a heavy nickel, you know, like I know we always bring Keyshawn in, in the nickel, but then they, we talk a big game about everybody running a heavy nickel with the safety, bringing the safe, bringing the extra safety and running three safeties instead of three corners. And I, if, you know, if that's the way to go, I'm, I'm 100% down with that. If, you know, if Keyshawn wants to be the man guy, cool, let's, let's run the safety. If, if we're going to run the, if we're going to run the zone, but uh, the, you know, with, with everyone wanting us to run, man, we just don't have those kind of dogs that are going to stay in hip pockets the entire time. We don't. We would rather let them, you know, pass off. You know, you cover here, you cover there. As long as Campbell's on his game, you know, he's running the dot. 
and McDuffie is, you know, filling on that run gap. Uh, we'll, we'll have him on the weak side and we'll have Campbell on the strong side. So yeah. he'll, he'll be over top of Otten most of the time, I would, I would assume. Yeah. Omer in the chat says Stokes has to replace Ballantyne if Jair don't get back, but likely <clears throat> take a week or two just coming back. Yeah. The thing that kind of stood out to me last night talking to Paul Bredo is Stokes is going to play. And the reason being is you've got like a 21 day window when you bring them back. And they, if they're not on the active roster, then they go on the hour for the rest of the year. So they took it right up to the gun. Monday is that 21 day mark. So if he doesn't play Sunday, you lose him for the year. So now the question is how much is he going to play on Sunday with, if Jair doesn't play, he better be playing corner at least half the snaps. Right. Like, Not what special we, teams, right? right? We don't want to put we don't want to put him in there as a gunner. God my. <laughs> what a disaster, dude. What an absolute disaster <laughs> that was. Um, so if you insert Stokes over Ballantyne, you feel a little bit better about this, right? I think we all agree with that. Um, the other thing, too, if Savage was healthy, people ask me, what do you think the defensive lineup should look like? If it were up to me, what I would do is I would put Stokes over Ballantyne, I would put Savage in the slot if he's healthy and play Rudy Ford in center field. Rudy Ford has been the only person that's able to consistently, uh, you know, turn the ball over, get interceptions for us the last two years. And he can't sniff the lineup now all of a sudden. It just feels like there's something there. I don't want to, I don't want to try to create rumors here. I'm just saying like, I don't, you can't explain to me why in the world Rudy Ford uh, isn't, isn't starting at safety with the results we've gotten, the PFF grades we've gotten in the past, um, when you look at the tape, he he plays fast. He he plays decisive. Um, I know, it just doesn't make much sense to me, man. It really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Back to the chat here. Jen Wright says, Ford, please. I'll take one of those two. Yeah. Uh, Jeff says, I think Gutekunst traded Douglas because he wanted to see the rookies. It also might have something to do with Alexander's future. Could be. And also, like someone mentioned, that came in the quote-unquote tanking period, right? Um it felt like Goody was like, okay, guys, let's uh, let's step back and reset here. Now you're looking up at a playoff berth and you traded away your best defender. It's like, oh boy, arguably your best defender. At well, least that's the defender. you get you get on a losing streak right before the trade deadline. All bets are off, man. You're you're just you're you're hip firing at that point, trying to figure out what we can get, what what we can do with what we have. And looking at it, the team he was like, man, youngest team in the league. Let's just let's shed let's shed what we can and let's make the team a little younger and. Keep going. Yeah, for sure. Jeff in the chat says the Packers are forcing the development of Valentine and Valentine. The window is probably 2025 season for a legitimate title, a legit title run. The front office is designing for that. Yeah. And I completely disagree with it, Jeff. Imagine if they had taken this approach in 2010. And I'm not saying we, we got a chance to win. We, we all know we got a chance to do, to win a suit. Heck, we got a, we got a chance. Like I said, I could end up looking like Brad Pitt. There's a chance of that, right? Probably about a thousandth of a percent. Okay, uh-huh. um, well, a millionth of a percent. But anyway, the when it, when you when you talk about the 2010 season, if they had taken that approach during the struggle, guys, they were they had like it was like record numbers amount of people that were on the injured reserve. Right? It was crazy. Imagine if Ted Thompson had taken that approach in 2010, we wouldn't have that Lombardi. Mm-hmm. Put it, let's put it put it into perspective here. Another guy who was a little longer in the tooth, right? And, and people are going to lose their mind because they're going to say, you're comparing Rasul Douglas to Charles Woodson in no way, shape, or form. But who was the best corner on the 2023 Green Bay Packers before Rasul was traded? Rasul Douglas. Who was the best corner on the Green Bay Packers in 2010? Imagine if you had traded your your best player in the secondary in 2010. Do you go on and win that Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. I think we would all agree no. If right. you trade Charles Woodson, you're not winning that Super Bowl. 
Here's another one. I'll give you a better one. You guys remember in Atlanta when we boat raced Atlanta in the playoffs that year? Remember the pick six? If we had traded Tremont Williams mm. at the trade deadline that year, I, I feel comfortable saying we wouldn't have won the Super Bowl. I really do. Nick Collins, it goes without saying. If you traded him, arguably one of your best players in the secondary. You could make a better case for them trading someone in 2010 because they had a stouter secondary right. than what you're seeing here this year. That's yeah. just the way I see it. So. And what kind of league do we have today, Clayton? A passing yeah. league. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, it's, we're, not, we're not shoving the ball down the field on run plays all the time. They're, they're, they're getting chunk plays. They're creating you know, opportunities down the field. And why not have someone that you can count on? If everyone wanted man, let's let's put, you know, if, even if Rasul is his own guy, you know, we want man, let's get it. Let's get a, an experienced corner out there in his pocket. And like you said with Woodson, man, he became that multi-tool like uh, Winfield is for the Bucks. Woodson was doing everything when he was getting, you know, near the end of his career there when, when we won that Super Bowl. He was all over the place. Put him at safety, put him at corner, put him at slot. Um, and, yeah. and I mean, we probably could have done that with Rasul, but you know, are we asking those kind of, are we asking those kind of things from our players? How, how much are we trying to, you know, have them be an athlete? Yeah, definitely. Jeff in the, in the chat said, you said it, Clayton, it destroys your culture and your evaluators have no clue what they have in their existing players. That was the frustrating part too, Jeff, early in the year was like, are we going to get a true evaluation of Jordan Love with, with having this young core of weapons around him? Like right. that's why I was a little more lenient. Like, Hey, let's, let's at least see the whole year. Like, I mean, he's he's playing with arguably the most inexperienced wide receiver room in the entire league. Mm-hmm. That's why it's like, yeah, he's got way less to work with right now. And that's not a knock on those players. Those are young, unproven players, although Tay Wicks looking like a stud now. Mm-hmm. Jaden Reed showing all the things you want. Christian Watson, when he's healthy, looks like a stud, in my opinion. I know some people would disagree. Romeo Dobbs, one of the best 50-50 balls uh, guys in the game right now. Um, you, you get inside the five. And you want to take a shot. Heck, look at what Malik Heath did there against the Giants. Right. right. So I'm not trying to dog on him. I'm simply saying if you had to pick between these receiving cores and you said, all right, you can either pick between the 2006 receiving core of Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, and Greg Jennings, uh, Brett Favre's receiving core that included Sterling Sharp, you know, who some would say would be a Hall of Famer, or this group right here. I'm pretty sure this year would be the last one picked in that draft. <laughs> you right. know, if you drafted between those three receiving cores. So um, yeah, just it's it's fun to kind of compare. I know some people, the gatekeepers, don't like it when you compare eras to eras and players to players, but we do things different on this show. Um, and I'm sure they don't even know we exist, so that's okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Donald in the chat says, I think we do see Ja this week. I really do. I hope you're right, Donald. And I hope he comes out and puts all the rumors to bed. And just plays with his hair on fire. Mm-hmm. He's that swagalicious Jair Alexander that we 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 loved back when he you know had his best couple of years. Let's get that guy back in the lineup because if you plug him in over Ballantyne, whole different dynamic with this defense. Right. If you didn't peak Jair Alexander. Right. Same, don't want to have that setback either. Right. Even if even if we're in cover three drop. You know, and, and we have Jai in there. He can still run with Evans. You know, he we, we could still basically have man up the sideline if if we're in cover three drop and, and Jai's out there. We can feel more comfortable letting him stay in his hip pocket and maybe dra- draw the safety back towards center field. So it's not like, you know, those options are gone of him staying in someone's pocket and just, you know, grinding out man on him. But yeah. the problem is, is when we're trying to force it down, you know, it's like you said, we, we can't just we can't just drop Ja over here in single coverage and have him rabbit him and just stay on him the entire time 
while we got the other 10 running, you know, a cover two without, you know, another guy or something like that. So it's not like we can just track them all over the field. Yeah. Uh, CL in the chat says, big fan of Sewell, but unlike 2010, no way Green Bay was winning the Super Bowl this year. Love is no Rodgers. This is, I've got to respectfully disagree, CL. I'm not saying I'm guaranteeing Love is as good as Rodgers. That would be just absolute insanity. But what are you basing your comment off of? That's what I'm, and I'm respectfully asking. I'm not trying to dog on your pile on. I'm asking respectfully. Because when you look at the statistics from 2006, Aaron's first year starting, Jordan, some would argue, is better. He's performed mm-hmm. better. I think we would all agree, maybe you respectfully disagree, and that's totally cool. I, I haven't found one single person that says this receiving core is better than the receiving core that Aaron Rodgers had. Also, right. Aaron Rodgers gracefully endorsed Jordan Love on the way out. Like, Jordan Love is the guy. Brett Favre burned the building to the ground and said, I want to play to the for the Vikings and put all that extra pressure on Aaron as well, right? So what are you basing that off of? Yes, we, we know – Aaron Rodgers is arguably the best thrower of the football. If you said accuracy, I've got to concede. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is way, way more accurate than Jordan Love, absolutely. But look at the win total. We've got four games left, and he's already matched Aaron Rodgers' win total the first year he took over starting. Like, I have not been one to try to draw this compar- comparison between Love and Rodgers because I do think it's a little bit unfair to try to put that much pressure on someone, as if, Jordan even knows I'm speaking right now. He doesn't. But, <laughs> like, when you look at it, though, you go, okay, win total, he's got it with a worse receiving core. And then you go, well, he got a better team. Do we? Okay, so now all of a sudden the defense is good? Right. Everybody's been telling me that Joe Barry's horrible and this defense sucks. Like, <laughs> you can't – not that you are, CEO. I'm just kind of speaking out loud. Like, you can't you can't have it both ways. Keep right? moving those goalposts, man. Yeah, offensive line. Offensive line. Look at the offensive line that Aaron Rodgers had coming in and all the veteran presence. I know Chad Clifton, if I remember correctly, went down that year. I believe he was still on the roster. But look at the guys that were in place then. Mark Tauscher at right tackle. Um, I'm trying to remember when Bulaga was drafted, but I think that might have been around the same time. I could be wrong. But when you look at our left tackle position right now, box out. You got you got a seventh-round pick playing left tackle, mm-hmm. right? You've got – you know. One of the most controversial Packers in in Josh Myers, not to his fault, but just when you look at Josh Myers, some people think he's an absolute stud. Others think, what are we doing here playing him at center? Right. The way Runyon's played at right guard, right? Like, when you compare it across the board, I don't think it's just a slam dunk that, oh, no, we expected 2010 to win a Super Bowl. Guys, I was a fan. I remember. I remember the injuries and going, oh, God. And it was that Philly game where I went, hold up. And then Atlanta, it was like, well, here we go. <laughs> well, that's it. That momentum. People forget oh. Emilio. They were they were they were road warriors. That right. Year. Right. And, and, and right now we're not road warriors. You know, that's that's yeah. something that this team that this specific team needs to work on. But in 2010, how many people were calling for us to win the Super Bowl? You know, that didn't come until Super Bowl weekend. You know, by the time we actually got in there, everyone was holding us out uh, until then. So. You know, anything can happen. You can always go on a run any given Sunday, all of that. But the team this year is its completely different. I mean, they're different people, different times, different eras. You know, it, it's like uh, apples to oranges sort of thing. It's still football, but it's still a fruit, you know. But um, but uh, the, w- the way that each team plays differently is, you know, it's uh, specific to them directly. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So the chat here, and again, CL, thank you for the comment, man. That's a fascinating conversation. It really is. Uh, like I said, I respectfully disagree with you, but 
I think I'm in the minority with that comment. I could be, right? That's just kind of how I see it, though, man. And I appreciate you uh, commenting, buddy. Doug in the chat says, young wide receiver room with your most talented being Watson on the sideline for half the year. Love has done nicely. He has, man. You got to give him credit. You got to – you guys heard me. I've been – if if I see something negative, I'm going to say it. Believe me. Go to Twitter and look how I'm getting roasted over Joe Barry. <laughs> like, I, I'm just simply pointing out, here's why the defense is failing. And it's shut up. You're going to – you're going to – you're going to mess up and put a voice out there and they're going to keep Barry. This is going to be your fault. I'm just going, look. I wouldn't mind to have a new DC either, but right. to throw him completely under the bus saying this scheme sucks, that ain't the case, man. Slow down, um, back up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's rewatch the game. The problem is everyone's shooting from the hip right after the game, during the game, oh, yeah. you know, and they watch the one TV copy and they never look at it again. <laughs> so it's like, and then and then they come out, oh, dude, don't don't talk to me about stats, dude, don't yeah. talk to me about this, about that, and it's like, man, don't talk to me about anything other than what I want to talk about right. prove my yep. point. <laughs> yeah. And and honestly like the way the way it's going I we said it a little while ago I think I said it. We got, you know, Aaron Rodgers had Mike McCarthy. Um, you know, Brett Favre had Holmgren. Jordan Love's got uh Matt LaFleur. I was watching that documentary on uh, Bart Starr last night. I only caught like half of it, but they were talking about how Starr was literally like a, a second Lombardi, a Lombardi on the field. You know, he knows it in and out. He is in his hip pocket. Guys would come talk to talk to Star if they were frustrated with Lombardi, and Star kind of worked him through it. Hey, man, um, you know he he the the way that, the way they process the game exactly the same. So if you got a coach on the field, and I think that's what Jordan loves, you know, starting to become. Mm-hmm. If he's able to rally all these young guys around him, coach him up on the field, get him in the right spots, know what know what the play's happening, know the offense. That's that is you know em, enormous for this team. You know we're already past the, those hard parts. We're getting to the part, you know, you don't see Jordan Love sitting there flipping up his QB thing. Oh, man, what number are we running? 16? All right, that's a Z drag. Like, no, man, he's not about that. We are way past that point. So the fact that, you know, we're trying to, um, you know, look back on it like that. Imagine if we were just, you know, trying to tread water. Hey, you know, we're calling the play from the wrist guard, that sort of stuff. We we're lucky, man. We got to keep we got to keep on it. And they are progressing. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, it, the Valleys to me, like, I know people don't want to hear it. We lost the game by whatever it was, two points, whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. What, what was the final skate? Was it, yeah, it was a two point difference, right? Right. Yep. How many one scores have we lost, Clayton? How exactly. many one scores have we lost? It doesn't matter. It does matter. It shows you how close you are as the youngest team in the league. You're right, you're right there. You're right there. And if we can keep our emotions in check and not try to fire the DC, not try to, you know, Say that love is or isn't the 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 uh, the next coming of Aaron Rodgers and and all these things, right? If you can keep your emotions in check for literally, like Emilio said, just one game. Don't mm-hmm. don't you know what do I always tell you guys? I tell Tim this all the time. Like when we when we do the post game show after a loss, guys, listen, it's tough. It's mm-hmm. tough. As loving the Packers, the last thing you want to do is go live immediately and talk about a loss. Right. It is the I don't want to say it's the worst feeling in the world, but it's up there. It sucks. It's like pulling teeth. I always text the guys and go, hey, 15 minutes, cool off, cool off. Because when we get in here, this is not going to be the show where we come in here half drunk and we're going to fire him. He's playing soft. He's an idiot. Like, not going to happen on this show. Ain't going to happen. I love Daddy Sodas watching football. Oh, yeah. But I have drank less Daddy Sodas since doing this show because I don't want to be that guy Mm -hmm. acting like an idiot. Like, I don't. And do what you want to do. However you want to fan, it's cool. 
but you're not going to get that on here. You're not going to get over emotional overreactions on this show. It ain't going to happen. If that's boring, I completely understand. Cause listen, guys, when I get done with the post game show, I go tune into some of those <laughs> just, right. just to get a feel. And it's like, man, it is, it is comedic relief. It is, it is good entertainment, but it's not what we're going to do here. Fern, uh, thank you, buddy. Uh, I don't know if it's a man or a woman, but uh, Clayton always speaks facts. I try to. Um, I can be a moron at times, but I'm, I'm going to try to do every everything that I say. I'm going to try to back it up with, okay, here's what here's what the analytics show. Here's what the tape shows. Here's what the stats show. Uh, Doug says, it was pretty clear Rodgers lived rent-free and Favre's head. Favre knew he was a uh, competition. I think I think, I think think Rodgers seen a little bit of that with love, too. I think he looked back like, hey, this kid – this kid can play. Mm-hmm. I've seen a little bit of that. And I love that Rogers was just like, you guys seen the video. You can go dig it up. If you if you just type in thank you, Aaron Rodgers on uh and search at Packers underscore access, you'll see a video. It's got a ton of views now. Holy cow. Yeah. But it's just basically a thank you to Aaron Rodgers. And it starts off with how he was treated stepping into Green Bay and Farb's shadow. And then how he made sure Jordan Love didn't get treated that way. That's why I was not accepting the slander on mm-hmm. Aaron last year. Ever since he got the vaccine, that's when it started. I don't care yeah. what anybody says. And they go, oh, no, it had nothing to do with it. Go search people's timeline. They'll go. They'll start deleting the tweets now. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But if you go to their timeline and you search Aaron Rodgers, that's all you got to search. And it'll show you the date that they tweeted. Positive, 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 positive. October of 2021, I think it was. Yeah. I'm immunized. Negative, 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 <laughs> negative, negative. Ever since then, it's this guy's a selfish prick. Yeah. How about we let people make their own life decisions? Right. That's it. Why you like like you always say, Clayton, why are you going to walk down the street, knock on someone's door and say, what are you talking about in there? Dude, let them be, man. Let them live their life. Dude, you got your own 24 hours in a day to worry about. Why don't you worry about that? Let it, you know, let it chill out for a second. It it seems like everybody's, you know, everyone that, that that's drawn on that, like Doug said, man. All that stuff is living rent free in their head. Joe Barry's living rent free in, in everybody's head that doesn't, you know, that thinks that the, this defense is nothing. You know, everyone that thinks Jordan Love can't do it, living rent free in their head. Why do we got to put them down, man? Let them just play ball. We got, we've got 18 games to watch. So let, let's, or 16, let, let or 17. Geez, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get it done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, and, and people were hearing that and they're going, Clayton's, Clayton is anti vaxxer. Clayton's vaccinated, just so you know. Now, do no, I Clayton, Clayton is immunized, folks. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm actually vaccinated. But <laughs> do you want to know if I regret it? Probably don't want to have that conversation. Mm. That's a story for another day. And people are going, oh, key up the conspiracy music. I can only speak from my personal experience. And I'm telling you, I regret it. Mm-hmm. You want to call that fake news or whatever, you do what you want with it. I don't care. But that's uh, everybody has their experience and their opinion on it. Doug in the chat says, People criticize the footwork and off-balance throws. Favre did it to avoid injury from getting rolled up on while having his uh, planted feet. It's inherited. Um, I completely agree with that because what Favre did so well was recoil. He'd throw and recoil. You've seen Aaron Rodgers do it, that fadeaway throw. You know, if you got the arm strength, great, but you're you're recoiling. You do, it's very rare that you've seen Favre in the latter years, really halfway through, you know, halfway through his career to the end, and uh, – Aaron Rodgers, it's very rare that you just see them get blown up because they right. know how to torque, how to recoil. You see a little bit of that with Jordan Love for sure. Um, I think that stuff's important. Mike in the chat says, I still say we were one to two years away from being a serious contender. I think that's probably the most accurate prediction, Mike. If I had to put money on it, hey, when do you think the window is, the best chance it would be that? I'm simply saying, not that you're disagreeing, but I'm simply saying for people to pretend like 2010 
was just a slam dunk. We're going to the Super Bowl. That is not the case. It was not mm-hmm. the case at all. Jeff said it wasn't until we boat raced the Falcons before I believed in them. Um, I think I would agree with that too. It was that game that I went, hold up a minute. We might be able to win this whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. That's when it hit me. I remember sitting here on the couch. Everybody else was hooting and hollering watching the game. And they're like, why are you so calm? I'm just like, I can't believe this is happening. This team, the way it just turned around. And that's the difference between having a franchise quarterback and not, man. It really right. is. Um, all right, last comment here comes from Derek K. He keeps it real simple. He just said, guys, let's get to the important stuff. 65%. 65%. That's what we- there you go. Emilio, parting thoughts, buddy. Anything? Hey, man, we got football today. Couple of division games. Let's uh, let's see how they turn out. We got a big game there with uh, Cincy and Mini and Denver and Detroit. You know, Detroit's been on an absolute burner since they smacked us. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm excited to see that game. <clears throat> and honestly, we got a monster game coming up against Tampa Bay. We have to win this game. They have to show up. I don't think that Matt's going to let them go. Uh, you know. Back-to-back losses. We've already been down that path this year, and everyone was saying put Clifford in. So if we lose another back-to-back, I think they're going to try to try to pull out the big red dog again. And I'm really just not even ready for that. I'm not, you know, like wh- why are we why are we putting uh, Jordan Love in a box and tying both hand, tying both hands behind his back and say, all right, you know, you're you're not showing up. All right, you got to go, man. Like, dude, just chill out for five seconds. Let let him throw the ball. Let him let him evolve. Matt LaFleur and him are starting to think on the same wavelength. Let's get it done, man. I, you know, the um, if we can get a little bit of run game going, get, you know, get love to be able to sell that play action. He picked it up from, you know, from Rodgers, who probably picked it up from Favre. Sell the entire body, crunch down, you know, show the ball, peel it back, turn your head quick, get the ball out. Yeah. Um, you know, his technique is there, throwing motions there. Tom Clements is, is you know, uh, like Roger said, he, dog, he could, right? He could get a he could have a perfect passing rating, and Tom Clements come out and dude, you had like a C plus. You had like a, <laughs> literally a C plus today. Like you think you're an all star? I'm gonna I'm just gonna humble you real quick. And that's what you know. Everyone everyone's putting the team down. How about we just humble them? How about we help them? It's not about trying to tear them down to nothing. How about we How about we cut them where they made a mistake and then we can build on top of that? You know, you missed a cut. All right, let's take that two by four out. Let's recut it so it actually sits in there right, you know? Yep. That starts on social media, guys. You Fans think that you don't matter. You don't don't think they read Twitter? I mean, how many times have we seen players respond, whether it was Mm -hmm. positive or negative? Dre Campbell has responded at negative comments. Keyshawn Nixon's responded at negative comments. They're watching. As a fan base, why don't we build them up? They're on the roster. They're on your favorite team. Right. Why don't we? It's okay to point out, like we do. We try to do it respectfully. If if you see it, you got to say it. If there's something negative, we're gonna say it, right? We're gonna show it on tape, but we're not gonna go. I need to get rid of that guy. He's garbage. Like, what what good does that do? They're not gonna get rid of him because you said so. Right. Why not? Let's try to be a little more respectful on social media, not just to the players, but to each other too. I don't know, it couldn't hurt. Um, what we're talking about with the games today, though, real quick. Like he said, Minnesota and Cincinnati that kicks off at one o'clock. We're Bengals fans today, um, and then uh, of course the. 8-15 game uh, is going to be Denver at Detroit. I'm rooting for Denver there as well. Now, listen, the, the games I got circled, we won't go fully through the slate. When I posted it on Twitter, the goal is to get everybody else's opinion. It's not to say, here's who you need to root for. Right. So these are my personal interests. Like someone pointed out, why do you want Buffalo to beat Dallas? Don't we want Dallas to have a higher seed? I'm kind of a, a closet Bills fan, okay? Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of Buffalo Bills friends. 
these are the games I'm rooting for, right? So that's just kind of how I see it. Um, if you disagree, it's totally cool. But again, three games today. Uh, Pittsburgh at Indy might be a good one too. Both of those teams are kind of hit or miss from week to week. But as far as the Minnesota Cincy game, Cincy are three point favorites. We'd love for that to hold true. And then Detroit are four and a half point favorites. We're looking for an upset there as Denver goes on the road to Detroit. So going to be fun to uh, to see that unfold tonight. We're way over, um, and that's totally cool. You get to having good you know, good conversations, having a good time, man, and, and that stuff's going to happen. But Chris in in the chat said, Emilio, on fire today. Completely agree. Emilio, I know you said you're not a morning person, dude, but you absolutely rocked it, dude. I appreciate you jumping it's, on. I, I, can, I can be a morning person. Most of the time it's just for work. So every time I feel bad every time I'm not on here tearing it up. But no, you're good, uh, man. You're good. Derek K said I woke up with fire today. So I, I so it must be the must be the diesel in the cup. Uh, no, surely it ain't that. Uh... There you go. Doug in the chat says, guys, 75 minutes. Wow. I hope that's a good thing, Doug. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. That is, go, wow. off, man. Why are you guys still on? <laughs> a long garbage show there. All right, guys, we're out of here. Appreciate y'all hanging out with us. Uh, we'll. Uh, there's a chance we go live later this afternoon. I got plans late this evening. Um, but you may see something pop up five or six. I don't want to schedule it and then let you guys down. So if you see us right. go live, hop in here and chat with us. If not, no big deal. It'll probably um, be just a quick one, right? Real yeah. quick, because you got you you're busy tonight. So yeah, we're packing. And uh t- tomorrow we're gonna do a instead of good, good morning Lambo, we're gonna do a Packers pregame show roughly an hour and a half before the game starts. So look for that. We'll do the post-game show and immediately follow the post-game show, upload the pod, jump in the car, run down to the airport. I got equipment I'm taking with me, so hopefully we won't miss a beat while we're in Florida. So the the goal is to be live on site in Florida to do continue to do live shows for you guys to keep this thing rolling because we appreciate y'all hanging out with us. But what's in there? Yeah, yeah, hit it. <laughs> and also, uh, just one last plug here. Really appreciate BetUS becoming the official sports book of Packers Total Access. And if you want to support the show in another way, guys, it's free. Just go register. Um, there's a link in the description of this video on YouTube. You can also find it on my Twitter account. In some, I think I posted it like last night or whatever. It's easy. It's just to go to YouTube, click on the description. You click on that link. That'll attach you directly to us. That supports the show. You can sign up for free, create an account with BetUS, the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. Again, gamble responsibly, but uh, we appreciate everybody's support with that. With that being said, we're out of here, guys. Um, as always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.